you guys are comfortable there. So, today, I, I really just felt, we're, we're busy with speaking about the ability of the Spirit, and speaking about um, the gifts and things like that, and it's funny because as I've been preparing, I've kind of taken many detours. Um, yeah, I try and ju- jump into the power gifts and talk about that, and uh, I didn't get very far because I kept feeling like God bringing me in a different direction. And so we're going to get into everything we need to get into, but I believe it's because we're all at different stages as well, and God's really wanting to lay a strong foundation for uh, us to be able to flow in his, the, the Spirit's ability and the gifts of the Spirit. So today, I want to start off by looking at what is the aim of Christianity. Okay, John chapter 3, verse 16. Um, from the Amplified, it says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world, that he even gave up his only begotten unique son, that whosoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. So this is really a fridge magnet scripture, meaning it's common, okay? If there was a fridge magnet with a scripture on, this would be there, because we're all familiar with it. Uh, But it's really an important verse that expresses the heart of what God intended when He intended Christianity. You know, most of us in the room, I'm sure, have heard that verse, and we can quote that verse, maybe not from the amplified version, but from an easier version, but um, a less wordy uh, version. I'll be good, don't worry. I'm not going to explain that. (laughs) But, you know, what this verse is showing us is that when we believe, we have everlasting life. When we believe, we have everlasting life. Okay? When we don't believe, we perish, or we come to destruction, or we're lost. But what I love about this verse is it's also saying God doesn't want anyone to perish. Okay? And there's some important things that we we, we can get into at some point there, but but there's some, some vital truth there. That God sent Jesus because He didn't like perishing. He didn't like people to perish. Okay? So He sent the answer. And uh, uh, 1 John 5, now the, the point, before we get to that verse, it's a saying he didn't want us to perish, but have something. What did he want us to have? Everlasting life. And everlasting life is a relationship with Jesus, but it's also, there's a different view on it, a different perspective or a different side to it. 1 John 5, 11 to 13. And what is it that God has said? That he has given us eternal life and that this life is in his Son. So this eternal life is in Jesus. So who, uh, so whoever has God's Son, has Jesus, has life. Whoever does not have His Son, does not have eternal life. Makes it pretty clear. You either have the, li- the eternal life or you don't have eternal life. Okay? Verse 13, I've written this to you who believe in the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Okay, we still need to look at then what is this eternal life? Because it is a relationship with God. It's being able to talk with Him and, and all of that type of stuff. But it's more than that. It's our union with Him. Many verses will show us. Christianity is about becoming His dwelling place. God comes to reside, fixed place of dwelling in you. He doesn't leave. He stays. Okay, but now we've got this eternal life in us. What is its purpose? What is the purpose of this eternal life in us? John 7, 37 to 39. On the last day, the climax of the holidays, Jesus shouted to the crowds, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water shall flow from within. Sorry, from the inmost being of anyone who believes in me. Okay, so when we believe in Jesus... All of a sudden, there's streams of living water flowing from within us. And verse 39 explains what that is, because I don't see any wetness in the room. It's obviously not talking about it literally. When the Bible speaks about eat and drink, or when it speaks about uh, water, it's often not talking about literal water, literal this. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. You know, uh, when Jesus asked the, 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 the woman at the well, give me something to drink, he wanted something to drink. Okay, he wanted something wet. Okay, and he turned that conversation into something spiritual. 
But the point is, is that uh, there's always, uh, most often there's symbolism in the Bible that we've got to pay attention to. Now you can go off track with that too. You know, and I'm not going to go down that road. But 39 says he was speaking with this rivers of living water. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet returned to his glory in heaven. So when Jesus returned, when Jesus uh, 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 had been glorified, the King James says, then the Spirit was given. And then the Spirit came to dwell in believers. Okay? So that's eternal life. The Spirit of God now dwelling in you forever. Eternal life. The Spirit of God dwelling in you forever. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of Christians who don't see Christianity like that. They see it as trying to live for God. And that's very burdensome. Christianity is about Him living in us and Him living through us. Okay, John 10.10. TPT says, A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its full until you overflow. He gave us life, abundant life, life to the full. He gave us eternal life to the full. Until this version, I like it, it says, You overflow. The streams of living water would overflow from within you. This is showing us God's desire for salvation. His, salvation. his desire for salvation was to dwell in you and then live from you. To pour out of you. To, to flow from you. Why? Because Christianity is not for you. It's not about you. It initially is. And then you start to live to be a blessing. That's what God meant when He spoke to Abraham and Genesis. And He said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. What was the blessing? We're not going to sing the song. Amen? <laughs> what was the blessing He was talking about? It was His Spirit. God's Spirit. Abraham had enough money at that stage. He didn't need more money. God wasn't talking about money when He said, I'll bless you and you will be a blessing. Now, if you want to be a blessing, you've got to have, in finances, you've got to have finances. Amen? But this is talking about the Spirit. How the Spirit would come, and, this, and then you'll be a blessing. Being able to be a stream of living water. Streams of living water. A, a well point, if you want to say it like that. But what I love about this verse, John chapter 10, and I felt now as I was reading it, that this is, is really important for someone here. Okay, this is really a word in season for someone. And it's off topic now. But this shows us that it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Not God. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Not God. We would need to get into more depth with this. But the basics of it is, if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. God has nothing to do with death. That's really important that we, we, we get that. God has nothing to do with murder. You know, um, <clears throat> there's so many things that I can say about this, but when we sat in December, Martin and myself and, and our boys, we sat with uh, Emily and her family in Solari's past after her, her son was uh, murdered, it was such a joy for me to say to them, God didn't do this. And I know He didn't do this. He didn't even allow this. This is just the thief who came to steal. But thank goodness, you know, this life is not all that there is. And because they were convinced of that truth, because they knew the word, they were able to get through it. And it was her son who went to those gang members that he overheard on the streets on Friday and said, hey, come. And as he brought them to the door, he whispered to me, he said, Pastor Shane, because <laughs> it's culture, you don't do that yet. He said, Pastor Shane, <laughs> he said, uh, uh, these are gang members, I've, I've made sure they have no knives. I was like, great, just don't tell anyone else. <laughs> and they all went in. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's so important that, that we, we know the truth in moments like that because we can't be truly comforted by a God of all comfort if we think He's the one destroying our lives. He doesn't destroy lives. He came to give us life and life abundant, not to take away. Okay, I know some of you love that song, He gives and takes away. It's, it's wrong, don't sing it. Okay, just because some Christian wrote a song doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> the, the, their theology is a little bit wrong there. 
a lot. Anyway, John chapter 10, verse 10. You know, that, that, let, me, let me, while I'm there. I don't know when it was. 2003, I heard that song. 2002, I heard that song for the first time. I remember the moment. I was visiting my home church because I was at a, a Year of Your Life program. But I was, at the, I was standing at the back of my home church and they started singing the song. And I was like, I haven't heard this song before. This is a new one. So I st- stood there. Put, I thought, I've never done this before. I thought, let me just listen to the words before I start singing the song. I've never done that before. And I started listening to the song. And then when it got to that part, so far I liked it. And then it starts singing, he gives and takes away. And I was like, I don't know why I disagree with that, but I don't agree with that. And I had no clue. And someone was like, wow, after the service, that was such a powerful song. I enjoyed it so much. And I was like, I don't know why I didn't like that, but I didn't like that. And they were like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. It's in Job. And I was like, yo, I still don't know why I don't like it, but I don't like it. And then the next couple of months, I sought an answer in the Word, and then I got my answer. And I was like, Job said that. God didn't say that. It's not that, that just because someone recorded something said in the Bible doesn't mean it's, it's the truth. It's the truth that they said it, but it doesn't make it the truth. Okay? Just because the Bible says Judas went and hung himself doesn't mean we should. Okay? Some things are just historical facts. Okay? It's not instruction. And so if someone said something, uh, uh, it doesn't make, make it right. If Jesus said it, obviously it makes it right. But just because Job said something doesn't make it right. It's a story. It's telling us what took place. Job didn't know many things, and that's another story. But anyway, John chapter 10, verse 10, is showing us that God's desire for Christianity is to flow out of you. The truth will set, knowing the truth will set you free. So many people are in bondage because they think that God's the one who killed someone. He didn't. Moving on from that. God's desire is to flow out of you. So let's look at what basic Christianity is. Basic Christianity. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. We're going to go all the way down to 21 from the ESV. So from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Think about this. This is amazing. Okay, Paul. Actually, everyone except Paul. (laughs) Paul didn't know Jesus in the flesh. He had a revelation and an encounter with Jesus, but all the the other apostles knew Jesus in the flesh. Okay, they knew him like we know each other, like this. And what what is he writing? He's like, although we knew Jesus like this, we don't know him like that anymore. Why? Because now he's glorified and he's dwelling in all of us. So now by his spirit, you know, this room is loaded. This room is fully loaded. It's packed with Holy Spirit. We should have no problem uh, 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 because we don't lack the Holy Spirit here. We just need to get Him flowing and learn how to make Him flow here. But the point I'm making here is that uh, 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 we shouldn't regard ourselves according to the flesh either. We shouldn't regard each other according to the flesh. But to see the Spirit of God within us and then look deeper, think deeper about who lives inside of that person. Yes, they irritate me, but maybe they just haven't let Jesus out enough. Yes, I irritate you, but maybe in that area of my life, I'm not letting Jesus out enough. But look at here. This is Christianity, basic Christianity. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. When we we receive Jesus, we believe the gospel, we, we, we are now in that moment baptized, immersed into Christ, And now you're completely new. The old is gone. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Christianity is not just a try again life. It's a new life. Okay? The person before you got saved is gone. Spiritually, they're not there. You're completely new. One translation says a new species of being. You know, I I received Christ when I was young, like five or six years old. So I can't remember what it felt like. But many of you who got saved in more recent days or years, you know what it feels like. You you can sense a change. Something's different. Why? 
because you didn't have the Spirit of God living in you, and now you do have the Spirit of God living in you. It makes the world of difference, even if you don't understand it. But the more you understand it, the more you step into it, the more you enjoy it. Okay, verse 18. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled or made friendly us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Christianity 101. Okay, we are now not at odds with God. You're not an enemy of God. You're not at odds with God. You've been reconciled with God. These are some foundational things many Christians don't believe. Okay? God is not at odds with us. We're not at odds with God. And He's given us a ministry. Every single Christian has a ministry. That ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. A lot of people in churchianity come to church, go to church, pay the pastor to do the ministry. Okay? And this is part of ministry. I'm equipping you for the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4.11 says. So what I'm doing now should be enabling you to go out there and live a life of ministry. What ministry? Reconciliation. What does that mean? Helping people be reconciled with God. Because God Himself has reconciled Himself to the world. He's reached out to the world. Now He's waiting for people to respond to Him. I don't know if you've ever tried, to, felt like you need to try and get God's attention. You know, sometimes in tough situations, and tough moments, we feel like I need to try and get God's attention. Where's God? Oh, He's far from me. I don't know where He is. What's going on here? You know, whatever the situation is. Jesus, for God so loved the world that He sent Jesus to do what He did for us. That was Showing God showing us that we have His attention. We weren't looking for His attention. He, we, we, we've got His attention. He's eagerly waiting for us to give Him our attention. That's believe. When we believe, we're giving Him our attention, and then it, great things can happen. Okay? Verse uh, 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting trespasses against them. That is an amazing line that most people don't believe. Most Christians don't believe. What is it saying? That God was in Christ reconciling, making the world friendly with Himself, not counting their sin, their trespasses against them. God was not holding men's sin against them, before the cross even. That's what that's saying. God was, is not holding your sin against you. Your sin has been dealt with, but He was never holding it against you because love keeps no records of wrong. Okay? And entrusting us with the me message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. This is basic Christianity. God is reaching out to the world through us. The, the problem is, is we're either, we're, some of us are not letting Him reach out to people through us. And I'm not saying take your Bible with you to work and take your Bible with you to the park and everywhere. If you want to do that, you can. But, but you've got it on your phone anyway. But it's like you don't have to take and Bible bash people. All we're saying is you're taking Jesus with you everywhere. So from time to time, let Him out. From time to time, just, and we'll talk about what that looks like, but just let Him out. Okay? The New Living Translation, I put it up there for you. It says, We implore you. We plead with you. The Passion says, Tenderly pleading with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. I want you to kind of just think about the emotion in that line for a moment. This is showing the goodness of God right there. God is a loving Father pleading with the world to come back to me. Pleading with men all over the world, come back to me. Come into relationship with me. How is he doing that? Through you and me. How does that work? We are his ambassadors, so then when we see someone needs God, we would let God in us reach out to them and, and uh, uh, be Jesus to them. Okay? The Amplified Classic says, So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making His appeal 
as it were, through us. We, as Christ's personal representatives, beg you. This is what we, how we should be around unbelievers. Pleading. Begging. What's the other uh, phrase there? Tenderly pleading with them. Be reconciled to God. That all reveals a compassion and a love, doesn't it? It doesn't reveal a placard with turn or burn. I've never seen that work. It doesn't reveal that. What does it reveal? Love, compassion, relationship. Verse 21. For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I quoted a different translation, but that's what it says. Okay, the point there is that this is basic Christianity. Christianity 101. You receive Jesus and He became what you were, sin, so that you can become what He is, righteous. You were made right with God. Okay? Let's say you're, if you're a believer right now and you're, 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 you've made some mistakes even today. In the midst of that mistake, you're still right with God. And that shouldn't kind of make you want to go and carry on with whatever it is. But the point is, you might, and, and you might have repercussions or uh, things like that. Um, what do you call them? Consequences. Because of that. But what it should show you is, God loves me so much that He's never holding my sin against me. And because of my faith in Jesus, He sees me as 100% right 100% of the time. Whenever, you know, I come into to, to conversation with God and, and want to pray or whatever, He sees me as 100% right with Him. I don't have to conjure up something. I don't have to kind of work my way into His presence because He sees me as right. The 1 John 4 verse 17 says, As He is, so are we in this world. What is that saying? You're just like Jesus right now in your spirit. We want to see it in your emotions and in your actions. Amen. But in your spirit, God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Your spirit to God's spirit, there's a perfect relationship. You just need to focus in on that relationship if you want to experience more of it. So this is basic Christianity. It's, it's being transformed and then starting to live like Jesus. Basic Christianity. Being transformed and starting to live like Jesus. Let me ask you this. What is the number one characteristic that would identify a child of God? Think about it. Don't shout it out. Don't say it out loud. Think about it. What would a defining characteristic be of a child of God? Because you're a believer. John chapter 1 says now you, you've got the right. You've become a child of God. Now you're his son. Now you're his daughter. John 13, verse 35, Jesus says, By this all men shall know you are my disciples, by your love for one another. Love, I like Colossians 3, 14, love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Now you might not be experiencing much love in your life. I'm not talking about your love life. Amen? I'm saying you might not be lo that loving towards people. What does love look like? Towards other people, it's patience, it's kindness. You know, pa uh, uh, um, love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, you know, it holds no records of wrongs. That, that's describing God's kind of love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Okay? Maybe you're not operating perfectly in that. I'm, I'm not operating perfectly in that most of the time. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, uh, the more I yield to the Spirit of God within me, the more loving I am. Amen? So the more you do that, the more you'll be loving. But this is showing us that the more we mature in Christ, we will see the fruits of love, and love is an indicator that we're growing in our relationship with God. Do you know what the Bible doesn't say is a, a characteristic of us maturing in our relationship with God? Knowledge. Because a lot of the time we feel like, hey, I know so much, I must be something. I know a lot of Bible, and so I must be mature. No. Let's ask the question of, how is your love life? <laughs> how, how much love do you have in your life? You know what I'm talking about, what I'm not talking about. <laughs> so stick with me here. Okay? If you've been here for a while, you know sometimes the wrong thing comes out. <laughs> the wrong explanation. <laughs> 
So what we're looking at is how, how, how love would flow from us and that would indicate, hey, love is a fruit. Isn't that what Galatians 5.22 says? The fruit of the Spirit is love. So the more I'm living in the Spirit, the more I will love. The more I love, the more I'm like Jesus in my actions and in my soul. I'm letting the reality of what's true in the Spirit flow out of me in the rest of my life. Okay? The aim of Christianity is, is, is relationship with God. But it's an authentic relationship with God. An authentic one. And what does that mean? It's going to touch the lives of people around us. I'll never forget... <laughs> few years back we had um, someone in church who was telling me about their grandmother or their great-grandmother 90 something years old she'd sit in the corner of the house in her rocking chair and she'd read the bible she's, she's a christian and whatever and she'd read the bible for like hours <coughs> just for hours on end and then when she's finished she'd fold the bible or close the bible and she'd put it aside and then all of a sudden he was like i don't understand how this worked she was like a snake and she would just start attacking everyone in the room <laughs> and just like start like just like throwing darts at people not physical darts but word darts <laughs> just attack i mean you know it could have been dart darts are probably better right you're just just throwing things at people word wise and just attacking them and he was like this just doesn't make any sense and i was like well i can tell you right now she may have been reading the bible but she wasn't spending time with god because it's not enough to read the Bible. People don't read the Bible for seven years at university and come out dead. It's true. There's a lot of Christians who know the Bible back to front, or even unbelievers who know the Bible back to front. And what is it? Good for nothing. Because you've got to let it impact. The Bible is a bridge. It's not the end. It's a means to an end. The Bible is a means to an end. What is the, the end? Relationship with God. So we use the Bible as like a, a compass or as a platform, as our foundation to know God so we can grow in relationship with Him. Okay? But the point is, is that the more we grow in our relationship with God in maturity and love, the more we're going to start to love people. Okay? The more we're going to start to touch people around us. Romans chapter 8 verse 19. This is from the New Living Translation. I'm going to teach you something now. Watch. <laughs> For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. I use a lot of New Living Translation and I love it. But when I use the Bible, when I'm studying the Bible, I use many different translations. And uh, the New Living Translation couldn't be more wrong here right now. <laughs> I'll show you why. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal... I looked at a number of different translations, and this is the only one that puts the responsibility on God. This is the only one that makes it God's fault why you're not manifesting as a child of God. <laughs> why you're not living like Jesus. And I mean, that is very convenient theology. I like that. Because it puts the pressure off of me. It means I don't have to do anything. I can just stay on Daddy God's lap. <laughs> I don't need to do anything. But we grow up, right? So what's wrong with this verse? Look at the King James Version. Whenever something seems fishy, I'll go back to King James and then look at a couple versions. King James, and I mean, that's, that, that's the version Jesus used, right? <laughs> Romans 8 verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Can you see there's no pressure on God there? There's no responsibility on God there. It's, uh, this is showing us that, that, that the creation is waiting for us to be manifested or revealed. It's not on God, it's on us. Okay? Someone can, can um, let me use a less condemning one. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can, it's, it's the best one. It's the best example, so I'm going to use it. Okay? Uh, if, if it's condemning, just ignore it. Someone can prepare an exercise program for you and an eating plan and all of that. But if you don't follow it, they can't make you fit. You have to put in the effort. Right? 
What are you doing with the word you receive here each week? Because it's, 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 it's nice to... Some of you might have um, like lists of podcasts and sermons on your phone that you're listening to continuously. All these big shots, hot knobs, or whatever you call them. Like it's like, wow, these are awesome people. I'm enjoying listening to their, their teaching. You know, what are you doing with them? You know what James says? James says when you look in the Word, and if we don't do it, we deceive ourselves. And so listening to more teaching doesn't mature us. Knowing more about Jesus doesn't mature us. Knowing more about your identity in Christ will not mature you. It helps, but what are you doing with what you know? Faith without works is dead. This means that we've got to allow the faith in us to produce something. And we sometimes need to make decisions to step into something. I want to challenge you. One of the best things you can do after uh, listening to a teaching, whether it's on Sunday or in the week or whatever, is sit and think and pray about it. God, what can I adjust in my life from this teaching? How do I need to grow? Is there a mindset that I need to change in order to mature? Because change starts in your, your head and in your heart, and then it manifests. So don't just try and get the action right. Get the heart right, and then the action will follow. But it takes a conscious decision of, God, do I need to do something? Yeah, what, what is it? This is a call to growing up. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 from the Amplified. I'm going to show you a couple of verses, different translations. For even the whole creation, all nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, waiting for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. Creation is waiting for us. It's, it's kind of, uh, uh, let me read the next uh, version, you'll see what I'm, I was about to say. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. You know what this is saying? There are people in the world trapped in darkness and in hopelessness. And they, creation, is waiting for a child of God to show up. Creation is waiting for us to show up and be like Jesus. Hopelessness, we've got the answer. Despair, we've got the answer. And in many other areas. You know, um... A testimony, Emily, Pastor Emily from Solaris messaged me a couple of weeks back now and was like, you know, my, my sister had a stroke. She's in hospital. We, in ICU. We're going to go and see her now. So we prayed for a couple of days and after six days, she wasn't getting better. It was getting worse. So I said to Emily, like, we'll, we'll, we'll meet you at the hospital. So, you know, Marna and I packed the kids in the car and we drove off to Tigerberg and we went and uh, she didn't look good. She would basically open her eyes for like 30 seconds and fall back into sleep. They hadn't washed her for eight days because they didn't think she'd make it. Okay, that's how bad it was. And people were praying and all that. And I just said, you know, we're going to have to go and lay hands rather. And so we went, we greeted her, she went back to sleep, we prayed, we released life, and then we left so that the husband and someone else could go in and then spend some time with her. And when they came out, they, they said already, she's been awake for the whole time. There was immediate improvement. You know, within a few hours or days, I think the next day or so, they moved her into a normal ward, out of ICU. Then they moved her to a, a, a different hospital because she wasn't very critical anymore. And she's been improving since that point. Before that, there was no improvement. Because she was waiting for a child of God to show up. And Emily and I showed up. You know, there's a, another testimony. I, thought, I tried to think of a testimony which isn't healing related. But that's healing related. This one was, and I cannot remember where I heard this testimony. Marna will remember and I'll ask her. And uh, we'll find the, the recording of it. But there was this, these Christians husband and wife I guess. And they were like, uh, 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 would go on Google Earth. Have you ever been on Google Earth and you're looking at the different places in the world and as they would go kind of through Google Earth, they would always be drawn on the map to this very secluded little village in the middle, I think, of Russia. And, and, and they would just be drawn there and then they would be praying for this, 
this, this place, but they felt like they needed to do something with this. And so it took them, I think, about six, seven, eight months or so to raise enough money and find the right stuff, people and all of that, to be able to organize to go visit this village and take the gospel to them. They know nothing about these people. They know nothing about anything there. You know how they got there. They had to buy, I think it was a Russian war kind of tank or something. Because it's it's snow. Like, how are you going to get there? It took them, I think, it was a couple days or over a week to actually get there physically. And then they arrived, and this village is small, only a few hundred people or so, and, you know, whoever the Mulungu is of the the village comes out, and uh, he says to, he says, like, you know, why are you here? And they say, well, we felt that God sent us to come and tell you that he loved you so much that he sent Jesus his son to die for you so that you would not perish but have everlasting life. You know what he said to him? What took you so long? (laughs) Someone from that village had gone to the main city and had seen a cross while they were going on a taxi or something and asked, what's that cross on a church? And the taxi driver said, "Uh, that's a, a Christian church. That, you know, the cross is what God's son died on so that, that so we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And then this person went back and told everybody about this God. And the, the, a lot of them were then praying for God to send someone, if he's real, send someone who can tell us about this Jesus. And then God sent someone. This village was waiting for a child of God to show up. <coughs> And it's not because they were extra special people, the, the missionaries. It's because they were obedient. You, you, no one in this room is extra special. Except Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no one is extra special. But those of us who are be obedient and stepping out, God will do something through us. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15, New Living Translation. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they that call on him to be saved? Uh, how can, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him unless they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. I don't know what your feet look like, but mine are pretty cool. <laughs> That's why I look after them. <laughs> you know, we are the answer to the world because Christ in us. Okay? And then, yeah, so, so, so what I want to pull out of this is, first and foremost, we have the message of eternal life for people. We have a message of what will truly satisfy you and change your, your life and, 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 and take you to another level, spiritually and all that. We've got the answer for you. Okay? But secondly, because you've got Christ in you, because you've got the wisdom of God in you, because uh, uh, you can draw from that wisdom in you, you, you might have a scientific breakthrough inside of you. You might have a medical advancement in you waiting to happen. You know? Some of you would have a book that will really help people that's inside of you that you need to write. Some of you might have educational reforms which would help to advance education. And that's something that you, you should be doing with God. Some of you might have innovative ideas that would make life easier for millions of people. I can't think of a good example of that, but that's because I'm not called to that. <laughs> Maybe you are. Oh, there you go. You are. <laughs> well, I'll call you out, <laughs> Malcolm. You know, we've got things waiting on us and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that that's your thing and the gospel is my thing. We're all called to take the gospel wherever we go. But in addition to that, we bring glory to God by being glorious in our field of expertise. Isn't that awesome? The world is waiting for us to show up. 
Romans 8, 19, the passion, the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. But here's the thing. In order for us to manifest as His children, we must be established in the truth that will transform us. In order for us to manifest as His children, we've got to be established in the truth that will transform us. We're all, this sounds very the secret, and I apologize, but we're all manifesting something. <laughs> we're all manifesting something. We're all revealing something. And we're revealing what we're focused on. We're revealing what we know. You cannot live above your level of revelation. Okay? You're living at the level that you know. So information is necessary. Because information needs to be converted into revelation. And revelation needs to result in transformation. A changed life. That's Christianity. Christianity is not singing songs about Jesus and going to church and reading the Bible and all of that. Christianity is a changed life, a transformed life, because we've had an exchanged life. Okay? We, 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 we basically, you could say in a way, we gave our lives so we could receive His. Romans chapter 8 verse 19. The chapter starts with verse 1. Isn't that amazing? Basic Bible math. Okay? And verse 1 in the Passion says, So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus the Anointed One. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You will never manifest like a child of God. What do I mean by that? You'll never live like Jesus. If you don't know that you're not condemned. You'll never live like Jesus as long as you think God is holding something against you. And condemnation is, uh, dealing with condemnation or learning that you're free from condemnation, guilt and shame, is very basic Christianity. Very basic Christianity. You need to establish that in your heart and you need to build a life upon that. Move on from, from, from being focused in on, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. And now live the life. <laughs> Amen? Romans uh, uh, 8 verse 1 in the New Living Translation says, So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We need to be established in this. If we need to keep reassuring ourselves that we're forgiven, we've got a problem. And the problem is we're not believing the Word. We're not believing God. Don't put your hand up, but some of you might be saying, but I struggle to trust God. I like what um, Johan said last week, the, 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 the missionary who, who came to speak. He said, if we can't trust God, we've got big problems, because who else can we trust? You know, it should be easy to trust God, because He's never uh, uh, proven Himself untrustworthy. So what are we looking for? We're looking for transformation. <clears throat> okay, transformation starts with a changed mind. When I say transformation, I think most of us probably, if you're religious, we gravitate towards the word repentance. Okay? Think about what does repentance mean in the, uh, for you at the moment. For a lot of people, it's turning from sin. That's not what it means. Okay? The, 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 the Greek means to think differently or afterwards. That is to reconsider. Thayer's definition is to change one's mind, to change one's mind for the better, to heartily add, uh, to, um, add, um, amend with abhorrence one's uh, past sins. Jesus said in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. That is repentance, changing your mind and believing something better, believing the truth. Okay? Changing your mind will help change your life. So some of us don't act like love, act like Jesus, because we don't know that we have love inside of us. Some people's Christian experience is... I, like, like, great example. I was in a service once at a different church, and I was sitting in the audience, and, and this was a couple of years ago, and a friend of mine who was in ministry, or still is, he was sitting in front, standing in front of me worshipping. And uh, I had just grown up and matured in a sense of learning that my emotions don't control me, I control them. I just learned that. And so I was starting to be established. I was experiencing victory from um, 
depression and, uh, uh, and all of that that goes with that. And I was free. So I was like, you know, my emotions don't control me. And then this guy, I'm watching him worship. I should have been worshiping. But I was watching him worship. And his hands are in the air and he's like crying, like crying, God, please uh, uh, touch me. God, like, where are you, God? Touch me. And I'm, uh, you can imagine why I'm watching him and not worshiping, right? It's distracting. <laughs> And I'm watching him and he's like, he's crying, like begging God, pitch up God. And, and then all of a sudden he starts laughing. And now he's just having a, a, a lovely time with this holy laughter, enjoying Jesus and whatever. And then, you know, I would see him on Monday morning. And he was depressed again. And he wasn't full of the joy of the Lord. He was like down in the dumps because that experience is gone and all of this. And then at the end of the week, Sunday, the same story would happen. And eventually I said to him, listen, can we go for coffee? So we went for coffee and I was like, I used to be like you. Can I share something with you that will change your life? John chapter 14 verse 1. And I started like telling him all the things about how you don't have to let your emotions control you. And he was like, thanks, but I like the way I am. He, he enjoyed the, the, the wholehearted seeking for an experience. And then the experience goes and he's just done again. And he didn't, he didn't want anything else because he wasn't prepared to change his mind. His experience didn't change. Point being is if we change our, uh, 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 our minds, we can change our lives. Okay? And um, <clears throat> just sharing two more verses with you. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 from the Passion. Beloved friends, what should our proper response be to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacred living sacrifices. Live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. What is true worship? A yes, Lord, life. What is true worship? Not a great song, but a yes, Lord, life. Sometimes we look at the Word and we're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to live like that. That's not nice. But good worship is saying, yes, Lord. You're right, I'm wrong. You've been around longer than I have. You know a bit more. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 from the King James. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. So if we want transformation, we've got to change the way we think. And we've got to start to think like God thinks. You won't live in the ability of the Spirit and flow in the gifts of the Spirit unless you start to think like God. That's why I got into all of this tonight. We need to change our thinking and start believing that we're not condemned. We need to change our thinking and believe that, you know, Jesus said, believers will lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I'm a believer, so I can lay hands on the sick and I can see them recover. We need to change our thinking. Jesus said, John 14, 12, he said, I tell you the truth. He who believes in me, the same works I do, he shall do and greater works than these. We've got to start to believe that Jesus said that, so it must be true. So I can live like Jesus. I can live a life of love. I can live a life of power. Why? Because I believe. Not because I'm specially anointed. We're all specially anointed. We've all got the anointing, the, the Holy Spirit living within us. Amen. We've got to start to think like God thinks so we can see the results that God wants to see in our lives. So we can manifest as children of God. You're manifesting something. Some of you, it's not manifesting good stuff. Even though you're saved, even though you, you, you've got the God Almighty living inside of you, but now you just need to start to let Him out of you. By focusing in on the reality of who live, is living inside of you. Amen? Father, I want to just thank you that we don't have to try hard to live the Christian life. But the Christian life is, I died and now you're living in me. The Christian life is one of just saying yes, Lord, surrendering to you, to your will, to your word. Father, help each one of us to have a revelation of the amazing truth that we are born of God, which means we're born of love because you are love. Therefore, we can love people like you love them. Thank you, Father, that we, we, we can start to change our perspective of ourselves and start to see ourselves like you see us so that we can start to be an even greater blessing to the people around us.
There's a couple of things I want to pray for before we close. Firstly, if you're here and you've never made a decision to receive Jesus, you've, you've maybe gone to church a lot and, and all that, but you've never made a decision to, to, to believe the gospel and have Him come and live inside of you, and now you're a new creation. If you've never experienced that, then we want to help you experience that. Now, I'm not going to ask you to pray now or come up now or anything like that, but after the service, come up and let, us, let me pray with you. If you came with a friend who, who's a, a believer, ask them to pray with you. And if they can't, they'll bring you to me. <laughs> but, but you don't leave tonight without making that decision because it's a matter of urgency. Then secondly, I really feel like there's some who you're still stuck in condemnation. And I feel like God is wanting you to... He's saying to you that if you don't establish the fact that I'm not holding my, your sin against you, you don't get that established in your heart, you're never going to grow. You're never going to progress. It's time to grow up. But you need to, before you grow up, be established in this truth of you're not condemned. I'm not holding anything against you. Yes, what you did was wrong. Yes, what you did and the way you lived maybe was, was horrible. But Jesus dealt with that. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far He's removed your sin from you. You're forgiven and you're free. Father, I pray for whoever that is right now, that condemnation would lift off of them as they look to you. Whoever that is, Father, I thank you right now that you're ministering deeply to their heart that you're restoring them, that you're refreshing them in the truth of your love for them. I know that there's a number of people like that here. I really just feel like you just need to, in your heart right now, just say, Father, I receive your love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I feel like someone's saying, but I made a really bad decision. I made a really bad decision. I feel like God's just saying, hey, I'm bigger than your bad decision. I'm bigger than your bad decision. I can turn water into wine. That was Jesus' first miracle. Maybe you just need to allow Him to change the, the water in your life into something sweet. And then I also just want to pray for us, Father, that all of us would step out in some way this week to share the gospel with others, to draw from your wisdom, to advance us in our marketplace or our career, wherever we are, so that we could bring you glory and, and be a blessing to other people. Father, I thank you that you stir up within us that this message doesn't stay here when we say amen, but it goes with us this week and enables us to live a life of victory and a life with fruitfulness which brings glory to you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything, please come up. Otherwise, enjoy some refreshments. And have a good evening.